This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Today I'm lucky enough to have two guests for this episode on Beauty PR, Anna Stark and Tahira Matthews. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you both on as I know so little about Beauty PR. You've had your agency, Stark Matthews, since 2015 and have both worked in various agencies and in-house roles specialising in Beauty PR prior to that. What do you both love about working in Beauty PR? There's a lot to love about Beauty PR and I think that the perception of beauty PR is it's really fluffy and there isn't much substance to it. But I guess what I love about it is there is a lot you can do with it. Um, It's very important to people beauty in a way that's a self-expression, in a way that's self-confidence. It's not just about vanity. It's about, you know, people feeling really good about themselves and how to tap into that. And I think you can be really creative in what you can do in the way you execute things to create a really good result. So that's what I love about it. For me, it's that it's actually such a dynamic area of PR. So a lot of people think that beauty is all um, makeup and influencers that are doing really kind of expressive makeup looks and stuff (laughs) like that. To be honest, I am probably the most unlikely beauty PR you'll ever meet. (laughs) I don't wear a lot of makeup. I have a few products that I live by. But what I actually love about the industry is we do so many different things as part of... um, our every day. We work on events, we pitch stories, we come up with unique influencer campaigns, we do things um, that you probably wouldn't expect you would do in a beauty in the beauty industry. And keeps things fresh and interesting. That's yeah. Sure. And what does beauty PR entail? I mean, obviously there's the makeup side of it, hair. What, what's kind of the loose parameters? It can kind of, beauty can go into uh, beauty and wellness, I guess, these mm. days anyway, because it's both really. But it's makeup, skincare, hair care, hair tools. Um, you know, it can be nail polish. It can be uh, wellness supplements. It can be, yeah. Services, things like um, even like Botox and things like that are considered beauty these days. All the more classic ones like waxing, tanning, all of those sorts of things. But really anything to do with um, grooming or um any enhancements, any of those sorts of things. So generally from our perspective, it's products. So beauty products, whether that be like a tanner, a skincare, a makeup product, something like that. And it can go into services, but that kind of is our everyday is Mm -hmm. looking at a jar of moisturizer and go, how are we going to get people talking about this? Mm. And we'll talk about the how and why you guys got into beauty PR very shortly, but let's backtrack to university. So you both studied PR at university, but you're at different universities. And Tahira, you also did TAFE Mm -hmm. prior to university. So talk to me about that, because that seems like a really interesting combination to do both. Yeah. And I haven't come across many people who have done both, but what I knew when I finished school is that I I've decided I wanted to study PR. I actually did a media and PR degree. Um, And where did you study? I studied at Macquarie. Mm -hmm. And I deferred for a year because my biggest thing is I wanted to travel. And the second half of the year I was going to travel and the first half of the year I was going to work and save. But I kind of worked through the summer break and I got a bit... um, bored of just working and I needed something to you know get the creative juices flowing so I enrolled in a TAFE course just a certificate for in public relations I knew it was going to be for six months and just you know it was 
two or three days a week. And it was just something that I thought, you know, I'll do my six months and that will like kind of set me up to know whether I want to go ahead with that degree the following year. And if I don't like it, then I'll change my degree. So I kind of thought of it that way. But I loved TAFE. Mm. I thought it was amazing. I thought going to TAFE and having got into uni, I thought it was a bit embarrassing. I felt like I had to tell people at TAFE, oh, no, I still got into uni. (laughs) But having done both now, I got a lot out of TAFE. I really loved it. It was very practical. And um, I wish at uni there was some kind of resource or element that I could have had to teach me a bit more of the practicality of PR, particularly also because I did a combined degree. So we did a lot of journalism subjects as well. So I did a lot of writing, which sets you up um, well for PR. But there wasn't much in terms of practicality. And there was one um, placement that I did. um, And that's it. And so... I felt like I got a lot of extra skills going into university with that tape. And, and it was yours practical? A little yeah, bit more practical. So oriented? it's really funny you said you guys didn't go to the same uni. We actually did. I started, <laughs> I started my degree at the same places to hear and found it wasn't practical enough for me. So Macquarie, um, for me, was a very kind of written and book smart whilst I ended up in a degree that was a lot more practical. It was more about um, writing pieces and activities that were similar to things that would happen in the industry. I gotta, I'm honest, I have a really short attention span. <laughs> and so for me, that's what worked for me. But I've got to say that, um, you know, for me, uni isn't everything and on the job training is just as important, if not more important. I would agree. That's pretty um, aware of you. At what point did you did you flip uni degrees, like six months in or something? Yeah, like six that? months in. Wow, that's, I mean, that's very aware to go, right, this isn't quite fitting for me, but I still want to do PR. I just need to find somewhere else to do it. So how did you go about finding? finding a course that you felt was more practical? How did you identify that? Um, I don't actually know. I think it was the descriptions that were written. Um, I actually went away for uni and so it was chucking myself, my whole self in and um, I guess jumping head first and see if that one worked too. So um, I think it was really uncovering what those subjects entailed. The first degree I did started was called Media and Cultural Studies, and knowing myself now, I wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then okay, so you finish your university degrees, both of you, and you both end up in PR agency roles as your first role. Yes. Was that a calculated decision to move into agency, or was it a case of that's where you got the job, so that's where you started? Um, For me, it was a bit of both. I think that there was this perception while at uni, um, and I don't know where it came from, was that while you're young and have a lot of stamina, you work in an agency, it's really, you work hard, it's really dynamic, you, you know, hard and fast, everything comes really quickly, you've got to have your finger on the pulse. And then maybe once you, you you know, get married and have kids, you go in-house and it's a bit more cruising, you don't have to Mm. do those hours. There was that perception um, How interesting. I believe and I started off in agency because of that and thought oh yeah one day I'll slow down and go in-house yeah I did yeah back to agency so and what was yours Anna what made you start in agency I think for me it was really looking for a job and um it was the the job I got and I was just in awe when I got my first job so excited by everything that it entailed so as soon as I landed that agency job I knew it was absolutely in the right spot and how integral was doing work placements or internships during university in getting those roles? Were they unrelated? Did you did you pick up skills there that you think gave you a, a step up in those first roles? I think it's different then when we studied than it is now. Um, internships weren't as accessible 
mm-hmm. as they are now, there wasn't, you weren't able to just, con- there wasn't websites for all the agency. There, were, there weren't all of these, the Instagram that you could contact yeah. them on. So basically the way that, in my experience, we found out about them was through the uni. And there was limited spots and they were very prescriptive. Right. Um, and you re- there were big agencies back then like Hill and Knowlton, et cetera, et cetera, Elderman. And you basically had to fight your way for one of the placements in those. Whereas now there are so many opportunities to contact people direct to ask if there's availabilities. And we are more than happy to meet with almost anyone who contacts us to ask about internship mm. placement. Um, it's so important to have that. Oh, I couldn't agree um, more. We were lucky that we had um, experience in that area, but it was hard to get back then. Yeah. See, mine was a little bit different. I don't know whether it's because I studied in Perth, but being a small market, so we didn't have big mm. agencies, or if we did, I certainly wasn't aware of them, and I really wasn't aware of the difference between agency and in, in-house. In fact, I don't even recall being aware of agencies, I and mean, I knew of these names mm. of them, but because they didn't exist in Perth, mm-hmm. they weren't really accessible. So... Um, and I, didn't, I don't recall even being told about internships. I mean, I'm sure they, they may have been some filtered through. So we had to go out and do everything myself. So I contacted everyone direct. I did, I did three internships when I was at university. I only had to do one, but I did, I think I started in my first year doing them. So I just wanted to kind of get on the job experience. And I did fashion PR, which was awful because <laughs> I'm in no way uh, into fashion. But at Wait, least right. I realized that fashion wasn't for me. And then I... Um, I went at the West Coast Eagles, so sporting, and then I did one at television, and that's how I kind of ended up in my television degree, but um, in television career. But yeah, it was quite a different process to to so the kind different. of having the agency experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay, so in your first PR roles, if I remember correctly, Anna, yours had a little bit of beauty to start off yeah. with, and to hear yours came in your second job second after job. that one. Yeah. yeah. So. At what point did either, well, did both of you start thinking about beauty PR being a sector that you liked or you wanted to continue a career in? For me, it was immediately. So as I said, I'm not your typical beauty girl, but I remember um, I just landed this first job at an agency and the team were working on an event and I hadn't quite started my job and um, there was a knock at the door and it was a courier which, by the way, I thought was the most amazing thing that a courier <laughs> had come to my house <laughs> for me. Yeah. And um, they delivered the proposal of the event that they were working on so that I'd be prepped by the time that I turned up at work in however many weeks. Good thinking. It happened to be an event at a private house in Vaucluse where Bill Granger, who at the time was the biggest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, he's a chef for those that don't know. Yeah, um, was cooking breakfast for everyone. There was a yoga class. Everyone was being delivered a full yoga kit um, prior and they were getting picked up in these beautiful cars. Hello, money. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of our larger clients. Um, And from that moment, I thought, what is this world? What is this amazing unicorn of a world that I'm about to step into? And I was hooked from then on. Yeah. And how about you, Tira? Because you, as I said, you're you're a bit broader and then you kind of segued into Beauty. Yeah, my first PR um, agency I was at for a year, it was a smaller PR agency, and I worked on some of the hardest um, industries to get coverage for, which I think was really good because then when I got my second job, I was like, ah, I've got this. So mm. basically I worked on flooring clients, I worked on air conditioning brands, like Quite dry. Really, really dry stuff. Mm. Um, but I think that my next job 
everyone knew was for me because even though I had clocked it on Seek, um, I had about four different people who sent me the job and said, this is the perfect role for you. And, um, yeah, I went for it and then that was me. And why did they think you were the perfect fit for it? What I think because I'm quite a feminine person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people – and I had a love for a particular brand that the agency was repping at the time, which was Benefit Cosmetics. Yes. Um, it was newer back then. It had been big in the US and had just come to Australia um, I actually did one of my TAFE PR assignments on the brand <laughs> on how I would launch a new product. And I think because that was one of the brands that the agency looked after, people like, this is for you. Um, and it was. And I've always been into beauty. I, you know, I've always loved lipstick and, you know, I'm not really expressive with makeup, but I do like the femininity of it, mm. I guess. So, yeah, and th- that was my first foray into beauty and I stayed there ever since, yeah. And do you think it was a good strategic choice to start your career as an agency in reflection? Do you think that's something that you would encourage people, other, you know, young PR professionals to do? I would encourage you to do whatever you think is best for you. However, if agency is something you want to do in your life, I would recommend doing it first. Um, Having had people work for us that have done it the other way, started in-house and then gone to agency, there is an adjustment period that takes a bit of time. Some people it's not for everyone and they go back to in-house and some people they just need that adjustment because it's much easier in-house if you've got different people that you report to within the same company to say, oh, I can't get this done because your colleague, I'm doing something for them, for their department, say that there's, you know, a skincare and makeup and nails. I'm doing something for nails at the moment today. I'll get on to your skincare thing tomorrow. If you've got different clients, (laughs) you can't go to client A, I can't do your thing today because client B wants me to do that thing today. You can't do that. So it's about that juggle and about that reporting line and how that works that I think is one of those barriers that you kind of need to either overcome Mm. or you won't. You won't be able it's to. Hard. Yeah. And the only way I managed it, because I did the first 10, over 10 years of my career in in-house. So I never started an agency and I adored working in-house. I loved being able to throw myself into a broader one brand and sure there might be little projects off that, but I really loved doing that. And the thought of working in agency, I did a little bit of agency uh, contract work when I um lived in London and I just didn't love it. I just thought I, I didn't feel like I was giving each client everything that I could. Mm-hmm. So I loved I loved in-house and I only moved into agency when I started my own company, Savannah PR. And that is obviously very different to being employed by a PR agency totally, because now yep. you get to make all the decisions about who your clients are and stuff. So for me, that was a really enjoyable transition. But I would agree, I think, if you're starting off, get started an agency and and then figure out kind of what it is that you're enjoying and not enjoying and then maybe continue to think from that point. And also from my point of view, I loved that in agency, you have so many like-minded people that think the same as you that you can learn from. Whereas in-house, depending on how big your PR team is, there may only be one other person there that you can learn from. So if you really want, you're really interested in learning new skills, learn new tactics, I feel like agency provides that. And I'm not to say that no in-house provides mm. that by all means. There are definitely, you know, amazing um, places out there that do that. But I liked that I could have, you know, 13 people in the room that had all these creative ideas and they could teach me all these amazing things in such a short amount of time. Mm. Okay. So in terms of speciality, when you're starting off in your career, how important is it to align yourself with a sector of PR? Um, 
I don't think it's the be all and end all. I think there's definitely cases for both. So if there's an area that you love, such as in our case, beauty, if you're a beauty obsessive, you follow all the influencers, you know, the latest product that will put you a step ahead in terms of the everyday in the industry. But in saying that you don't have to work in an area that is your absolute love. Like I've said, I'm not the person who's necessarily going to try a different makeup look on my, on my face every day, but it's an area that I enjoy working in. So and I think the thing is with beauty and with PR, I'm sorry, is end of the day, it's a set of skills. Mm -hmm. So um, you're learning various different skills and they can definitely be taken to various different clients. There's a lot of agencies that have a multitude of different clients in different areas and they're very successful. It just happens that we chose to specialize. Yeah, and it is like that we pride ourselves on being experts in the industry and we've made that decision to stay that way. We do work on lifestyle and some homewares um, clients as well, um, but majority of our clients are in the PR space. Um, but, you know, we also know what works for us. For example, fashion, we wouldn't want to touch fashion. We yeah. really, it's a different set of skills, um, fashion PR, and it's not something that we enjoy. So we've made that decision. So even though we both like fashion, enjoy it, Mm. we wouldn't work in PR. So yeah. it's definitely about, like Anna said, your skill set and what you want from work rather than what you just love. Mm. And I think it can your, be both. But... Yeah. And I think to your point, Anna, I mean, I did 10 years or just over 10 years in television publicity and then I switched to hospitality PR. And the reality is once you do have that set of skills, you just have to show that you're good at what you do and that you now have an interest in a different sector, whatever that may be, and how applicable your skills can be to that. Um, so it's certainly, I think if you start working in a sector, you don't have to feel like you're no, absolutely. trapped. No. And PR is very much a framework of skills and it's about um, navigating those skills for whoever the client is. And even in an agency where you're in um, a certain area, beauty in our case, each client has to be approached in a different way. So you need that understanding and those skills to approach that particular client in the right way, rather than necessarily being about a particular sector. Mm. So the two of you progressed from account executive to account manager in a relatively quick amount of time. Was there any or were there any PR values or practices you learned during those first formative years of working that you felt have shaped you as a PR moving forward? I think for me, it's being aware. So PR is one of those industries that you can't hide in a hole and then and then decide to pitch a story. You need to know what's happening in the news. You need to know what people are talking about. You need to know what the latest thing that influencers are interested in. So um, being aware and using that as a hook to create a story that's relevant to your client. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, learning that time management, I mean, I think time I was naturally management. already pretty organized. So that was, that's a great starting point, but understanding that, um, managers appreciative of you meeting deadlines. Um, you know, I yeah. obviously didn't have clients at that time as such because I was an in-house, but you know, the different internal stakeholders in the business, everyone appreciates you doing your job in the time frame, even if not before. So I think for me, understanding the value of doing what I meant to be doing as quickly as I could and as effect, you know, as efficiently as I could was a really important one. Yeah. I think also to add to what Anna said, I think that I felt like a few things helped me in, 
um, really wanting to learn the new skills. So it might be that in a entry level role, you've got a you know set of tasks that you own and that are yours, but being interested in you know, what else you could be learning or maybe, you know, what the position above you, what they're doing. You may not get access to do that every day, but even showing, oh, budgets. I know that that's not part of my role at the moment, but I'd really love if you just took five minutes or 10 minutes to take me through how they work, just so I can start thinking that way. Um, if there is someone within the office that you could uh, talk to and learn some things like that from, learn those skills from, mm. I actually sought out um, an external mentor from a different agency mm-hmm. um, where I asked about budgets and I asked about um, time management and that sort of thing. And I had someone within my own agency that I asked, which was actually Anna at the time. <laughs> she was a few years ahead of me. And so time management as an entry-level position is one of the things you yeah. have to nail. So having help in that area really, really helped me. And I think that that's what got me noticed by my boss at the time and really helped me work my way up um, yeah. in terms of pre- career progression. We've also always said, further to what you guys are saying, is that the entry-level role in a PR agency is the busiest role you will ever have in your life. So time management, couldn't agree with you guys more, Yeah, is so vital because you literally have every other person in that agency as your boss wanting a piece of you. (laughs) And did you both have support and structure to help you move through um, that career progression path or did you have to drive that yourself due to ambition or the want to kind of progress at a quick speed or just progress in your own speed? For me, it was a bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think that... um, my boss at the time could see things that I was doing, but at the same time, um, with I didn't go in and say, I want to be promoted, for example, but I did always want to learn things of the next skill level. Yeah. And, you know, some things were really daunting to me, but having asking and saying, I actually don't know how to do this. I'd love to learn how to. I think that by being inquisitive and being determined um, and not being pushy in the way of doing that, because that can also upset people as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is what helped me. Yeah, I um I was in quite a small agency, so we actually ended up working in the same agency and that's how we met, which we'll probably go into. <laughs> but the agency um was quite small at the time, so I was a really lucky candidate in that I grew with the agency. So I did have a bit of a mentor, her name was Anna also, um, who kind of took me along for the ride. But I, I definitely would say there's something to be said for going into a smaller agency where you probably get given more work and more opportunities that you would the in perhaps a larger agency where they're more focused on levels and less focused on getting the work done in some respects. Mm. In a small agency, you get more visibility in yep. things that you yes. wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know that from uh, Savannah PR when there was four or five of us and absolutely the, the, the younger team members were doing way more than you would probably yeah. do if yeah. you're in a bigger agency totally. and you're kind of very pigeonholed into these are your tasks and the next the next job up does these tasks. And And I think you can be more adaptable as bosses as well if you know that someone's really keen on an area, even though it might not sit on their level in terms of their, you know, determined skill set of what you would prescribe for them, you'd say, okay, well, you love that. Let's teach you more about that rather than, nope, you can't do that because that's not your level, which some agencies that are larger have to do because they have those levels Mm. really clearly in place. And for both of you, I mean, within the first seven years or something of your PR careers, you had both worked, I think, by that point in agency and Mm in-house. What did you take from both of those experiences? Did you enjoy one more than another? Were they just a different set of skills? Uh, I love the vibrancy of agency. I love that I worked um, for a global 
you know, a multinational company where there was um, a lot of the work was prescribed from global and then Mm -hmm. we implemented it in our own market. So some of the creativity was taken from us and having come from a really creative agency where we came up with all of our own campaigns on our own, I missed that aspect. Um, And so I love being an agency and being able to come up with a full campaign concept and then executing it rather than executing someone else's idea, which is still fine, Mm -hmm. um, but I miss that. But I have to say what I loved about working in-house is that I understood the bigger picture of the brand and having access to um, the marketing team every day and the, you know, the direction from the top down and hearing all those internal conversations I think, and Anna and I have spoken about this, it set us really uh, up really well, sorry, for our own agency because when decisions are made, we, under- we are now understood why. If, um, you know, if budgets got cut, we understood why. If, you know, campaigns all of a sudden, you know, we need to do something now, there, there was a behind-the-scenes thing that we weren't privy to before that we now have an understanding about. Mm. What was your take on it, Anna? Yeah, I spent quite a long time in-house after moving from agency and really enjoyed it from exactly the same things as what Tahira was saying. I got a real understanding of the workings of the business, understanding what actually a global business means. So that's something people use this word in an agency, but what does it actually mean? What does it mean for you as a PR person? Um, I got some great skills in terms of presenting something from an agency perspective that I was never doing and now has given me great skills even going into a new business meeting. Mm. I don't get that fear of talking in front of other people because in my in-house role, I had to stand up all the time and present my numbers, present the updates because it was me and only me in the PR department. But that brings me to one of the issues I had with in-house and that's that it was just me and only me Mm. and I'm totally a team player. And as much as you have people working in marketing, um, they're on their own path. They're not necessarily on the PR path. So the big thing I absolutely missed was celebrating wins together because even a piece of coverage that I was like, hey, I did a really great job. No one was there to go. Yeah, you know, we didn't actually did, it. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. even understood what that meant. Exactly. I think that, um, uh, a lot of the time, people have to be explained to you what PR is, and so what does that coverage then mean for the business? You have to then go on to explain it. So rather than using that time to celebrate, you're like, okay, this is actually what it means. For <laughs> it's you. a good thing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really enjoyed my in-house experience, and have actually made some really great friends there as well. But my heart and soul really lives in the agency arena. Okay, so that brings us on to Stark Matthews Agency. So talk me through how the two of you met because obviously it was you were working together at an agency at some point in time. How did you go from that to launching your own agency together? Um, in a nutshell, it was over wine. Oh, oh well, wow. <laughs> that's a good a enough whole reason. A lot of wine. <laughs> um, Anna and I, we overlapped at my second agency um, for probably only six months and Anna was a few years ahead of me and she taught me a lot during that time and we became friends and there was about four of us um, from that agency who used to catch up over wines and Anna had moved on by then um, and we'd just say, oh, if we had a pair agency, we'd do this this way. Oh, if we had a PR agency, we'd do this. Just over wines, having a joke. It was absolutely a big joke. If we had yeah, a PR was agency. Never, yeah, we, we were just... Oh, yeah. If we had a PR agency. Um, and then I think um, years and years of having that chat, having a laugh over <laughs> a lot the of wine. <laughs> one day, um, by that time, the two others in the group, one had moved to Berlin and the other had moved out of PR. And one day Anna said to me, do you want to do this? 
And I remember I went home. She actually called me. She goes, do you want to do this? And I went home. I was home. feeling a bit flat at the time, was ready for a change and kind of thought, I'm actually going to vocalise this without any alcohol behind <laughs> me, without any Dutch courage. Yeah. I remember getting off the phone to her and I went home and I opened my laptop and I remember I wrote three pages of ideas of, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt so invigorated. And then we were like, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. So um, this was in the... December, November, November, December. and 2014. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'd made the decision that April was when we were going to leave. Mm -hmm. And we met every week. Yep. Wednesday nights, I think it was. It was. (laughs) Um, Every week and just talked about things. We wrote a business plan that I have absolutely no idea what is in it. Yep, we just knew we're starting a business. We have to write a business plan. Yeah. And did you have clients to start off with or could you... Could you bring any clients from where you, the two of you had been Do you know, a lot or? of people do. We decided not to. We didn't mm. feel right having our in-house roles and working on actively on the business yep. behind the scenes. Yep. We felt like because of um, the industry and if we'd started having these conversations, it just didn't sit well with us. So we made the unique decision to actually launch without clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously um, had put a lot into our own strategy and had all that in planned. But in terms of actually speaking to clients and talking to them about our new offering, we did that the day we launched. Yeah. It worked out for us, luckily. <laughs> yeah. We um, got two, um, two clients within the first two weeks. Yeah. So what we did to launch was um, within the beauty sector, there's a closed um, website that is a bit of an industry update website. So... Um, we launched with a story on that site and a lot of people in the industry have access to that site. So, so journalists, um, bloggers, at the time they were called bloggers, they'd be called influencers now. Yeah. Um, but basically they could read all about our But new also clients, clients as well. well. Yeah. So it's this unique offering where it's kind of this um, closed website that everyone in the industry has access to it. So it's a kind of portal where we have the opportunity to tell our story to all the people all our stakeholders in one one place and yeah off the back of that we were really lucky um to gain two two clients to start with um and then the rest is history Mm. do you know what your experience could not be more parallel to my own so I launched Savannah PR with a business partner, Alira, mm-hmm. and she she now owns Tonic PR, but we were exactly the same. We were working in-house together at the time when we thought, let's do this. Um, and same thing, we met every week, I don't know, a couple of times a week we did. Yeah. Like, I mean, we did that for months and we yeah. did business yeah. plans. We did, yeah. All, yeah. we did exactly the same mm-hmm. thing uh, because we both were coming from in-house roles. We also didn't want to launch and be working on clients on the side. So exactly the same thing. We launched, had no clients, and then had to kind of build it up from from there. So yeah. it's a very similar way into launching a business. Yeah, and I had never wanted to own my own business. Had you guys? Well, you know what? We had we we didn't. It was always a joke. I remember when we did do it. I remember when I was young, my dad always said to me, have your own business. It's the best way to, you know, I remember my dad always said that to me and I used to say to him, Dad, I don't want to have my own business. I'm not interested in that. Turns yeah. out I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was the same. I'm I'm not a business owner person. Mm. I actually told my parents and I, they kind of looked at me like, this is a really bad decision. <laughs> you don't want to do this. We have jobs. We have security. Yeah. Um, but... Five years later and here we are. Yeah. And look, we went into it with a real, really realistic mindset. We didn't go into it going, we're going to go in and change the world. Mm. We go in and said, okay, we'll give up ourselves up to this time. Yep. If we hit this point, we do some freelance PR work. Yep. If we get to this point and still don't have a client, 
we get jobs in the industry. The only thing that is damaged is our ego. That is it. And we were yes. both fine with that. Yeah. And, we we, and Alira and I were the that. same as well. Worst case scenario, this doesn't work out. We get jobs again. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. We gave ourselves four months to get our mm-hmm. first client because as we were starting from scratch, we were unbelievably lucky and so pleased to get those clients in the first two weeks. But we prepared. Yeah. I think we did exactly the same thing. I mean, I, I seem to recall both of us had put aside enough money to not pay ourselves, but to be able to get through for same. three or four months. Yep. And I don't recall whether we had the time frame of we need a client by that, but I think we both realised that that's when we could really, you know, afford to not be having an income for. Um, and I don't even know who our first client was, but um, I do know that once we started picking up clients, it just yep. kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, were there any goals when, besides obviously having clients and not necessarily going back to being employed again, <laughs> did you have any goals of particular clients or campaigns that you wanted to go for or um, a certain number of staff? Was there anything at the start or were you just like, let's just see if we can get enough work to keep the two of us employed? I'm trying to think of if there were particular I know that we always want to be a boutique offering. So we never, we never ever want to be a huge agency. I think that we always thought, you know, we want to be under 10 or under 12. Um, we knew that that's kind of the agency that we started our career in. And we, it's a nice size in that it feels like a nice family, but it's not too small that you don't have access to, you know, some of the bigger things that, you know, some people like, you know, a larger size agency or whatever. But I know that we wanted to remain boutique. In terms of clients, I think, yes, I think there were some clients that we looked at and were like, yeah, that would mean success if we Mm -hmm. got that client. And I think, um, you know, maybe we were four years in and we actually got our foot in the door to pitch for this one client that we decided it would be success if we got this client. And we got right to the end stage, but we didn't actually miss out on getting the client. And that was actually a big moment for me because it made me realise that we had achieved success and I didn't need that client to get that. Before that, it kind of felt like we were, you know, we were the small agency was new to the game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had done so much in that time, but it was a mental shift for me. It's like this measurement of success. Yeah. And you kind of go, hang yeah. on a second. We've been going for however many years. We pay the salary on however many people. We're enjoying it. We've got a nice work-life balance if that's one of the goals that you wanted to have. And you get to the point of going, well, is it that important now to have that particular client? Yeah, or, yeah and, and maybe for some people it is, you know, because that is still a mark of success. But, yeah, I, I feel the same way. For me it's about um, feeling successful in other ways versus having a particular client. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the structure of your agency, so you obviously managed to keep it boutique. What's the structure now you've got? Is it about eight of you in yeah. total? So what's the breakdown between um, account coordinators or executives etc through to you guys so we have um like you said i think it's eight so tahira and i obviously are the directors um we'll say at the moment both of us have just both recently have children yes so um that changes things it does change things a little bit um so we have stepped back a bit from the day-to-day of the agency so we're both in part-time at the moment we have two very active senior staff, a an account director and a senior account manager. Then um, they run certain clients and below them there is two senior account executives and then we have a social and PR coordinator assistant. 
Um, and then we also have an office manager who keeps Tahira and myself in line. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you split the responsibilities between the two of you? And I understand at the moment being part-time and just having babies, things are probably not exactly how they were before, but how how do you manage that balance between what you do? We we do it in a very unique way. We Anna and I we work best together. We mm. um we, so it's not like we split through like you work across this client or this aspect of the business. We kind of would say it's more closer to what you would say job share. Mm. So Anna will start something and I'll come in and finish it. And what we found by doing that is we both get the best of our energy into everything we do. And skills, to and be skills, honest. Absolutely. Um, Anna and I do have a different skill set um, that we can, and we've found a really great way to work together. Um, Anna is a doer, she gets things done. I'm more of a perfectionist. So if I was to start something, I'd take too long to start it because yeah. I want to be perfect from the get-go. Whereas Anna doesn't like the little details. She doesn't <laughs> like that perfectionism <laughs> stuff that needs to happen. Yeah. So we find often it works best if, if you know if we're doing a big new business proposal or a strategy for a client, if Anna starts it, gets all the framework in there and I come in and do the second half of it and yeah. finesse it. I don't want to format anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we find we work really well that way. Um, yeah. It doesn't work for everyone. Some people like full ownership, but like Anna said at the beginning, she's a team player and so am I, and we found this is the best way to work. What a beautiful complement of skills that yeah. you guys have got. Yeah. It, must be, it must be nice to know that you are supported by each other, but you're also made better by each other, you know? Like on your own, you perhaps wouldn't be delivering what you can deliver together. Oh, totally. And, and it's great to have someone with different skill sets to you that if you work really well together, like you said, you can give the best version to someone yeah. that I know on my own I wouldn't be able to achieve. I completely agree. My, doc- my documents would look awful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talk me through what uh, an account executive or an account coordinator at Stark Matthews might be doing in any one week. Because obviously, like you've said, beauty is, a, is quite a varied um sector when it comes to the things that you uh, have the opportunity to work on we should probably start by saying that our whole agency is trained in both pr and social media that's and a really so, good point yeah that role encompasses both and is that something you guys structured from the start or has that been how the industry has kind of changed and you guys have had to adapt it's in not how that? we started but we did implement it pretty early on mm. i think maybe a year probably, in yeah probably about three three or four years ago yeah. we um sort of diversified and created that social arm and they do go hand in hand so it's so important to have skills across both sectors now um they you know, they intersect so often mm. and to have skills in one area, it, it's it's not what we want to offer our clients anymore. So um, that role, it's like we said, it's super dynamic. You could be writing a press release. You could be um, looking for um, like-minded influencers to the brand you're working on. You could be um, creating a list of media or influencers. You could be going back to journalists. So on email with journalists, either pitching a story or they do what's called a call out is really common in the beauty industry. So they'll say, I'm working on a tanning story, a moisturizer story, a hair story. And you've got to look at our product offering and say, oh, I know that this product is appropriate and almost pitch it back to them. And then um, if they accept them, pack them up and get them off to the journalist as well. Yeah, it could be um, community management for social media. It could be working on captions for social media content. It could be looking at the content that um, influencers or media posted through social media and capturing that to then 
um, present back to our yeah, clients, which is back. a very, very yep. important part of it. Yeah. Um, speaking of reporting, you could be putting together PR reports. You could be putting together social reports. Um, one thing we will say that is a bit of an arduous task of the PR exec coordinator is packing bags, tying oh, ribbons. Yeah. So if you think of how many beauty products launch all the time, mm. like though you know, every bag you still need to pack that perfectly because it needs to arrive in the condition that you know you would want to receive a beautiful new product. So. And it, pretty much everyone in the PR industry has had their time of packing bags. And look, Anna and I will still go in the boardroom yeah. and pack a whole lot of bags together. But you know, there's no yeah. qualms about that. Well, I and I have to do it because I'm the only one at oh, Savannah yeah. PR, yeah. so I do all of that. Yeah. yeah. So would you say that social media and that kind of that adapting to making that a core part of what Stark Matthews offers was kind of the the key adaption that you've made with your agencies and anything else you've kind of had to live and learn and go right we need to be a bit more agile um I think that uh if you have PR skills by nature you've learned to be agile and you have to be um so I think that that's a big one yes but if you think about anything we do if we throw an event for example and it's an outdoor event and it rains you need to be agile and you need to be able to change that within a very short period of time. You you need to know that if you've got a big campaign you're starting and the client just goes, no, nope, we want to move in a different direction. You need, and your client tells you, you need to do this. You need to make that happen. So I think that, yes, it is something that we have to be agile in, but everything that you do in PR, you have mm. to have that skill set to be able to turn and you know, head in a different direction if you need to. And I'm sure that you guys have been talking about COVID a bit over, over the Absolutely. podcast. You know, it is everything and you know agility is the key word and pivot is the key word in the PR industry PR and social industry at the moment so 100% social was a big shift for us as an agency but this year as in general we've moved to virtual events we have um completely shifted campaigns to social so i guess yes that was agile but i'd say also how we've approached covid has been a huge part Mm -hmm. about Mm. our agency life totally Okay, so looking back over the clients you've worked with so far at Stark Matthews, are there any that you feel are particularly fulfilling or you were super excited to secure? Anything that stands out? Different things for different clients. Um, Some clients you love because you have used them your whole life and you, there's a great satisfaction out of doing a really good job because you'd be promoting them anyway to your yeah. friends and family because you love them. There are some that, um, you know, we've worked with some amazing startup brands that you know that what you're doing is making such a difference to them. That feels phenomenal. Um, and then, yeah, it, it, there's different yeah, things you take I, from each client. 100%. I don't play, we don't really play favourites to go that's our favourite client and we get asked this all the time. Oh my God, you have access to so many beauty products you do so many great things what's your favorite client and it's that changing on a weekly basis it's really whatever client is doing a great campaign at the moment and you're super engaged by that really or you know there could be the client that allows you that creative freedom to come up with a really cool innovative campaign and execute it and then you're not you know bound by red tape and all those sorts of things it could Mm. be that so it changes yeah and we've got some um sort of really socially aware clients as well which really kind of um, works with us and our beliefs so it's really nice to align with clients that kind of not only walk the walk but talk the talk as well so mm. every client has a different kind of um, offering and a different reason we like working with them yeah very diplomatic lady <laughs> yeah but in saying that also we don't one of the things when we started the business was we um, 
made a kind of no bullshit rule and no arseholes rule. So oh, yeah, I got yeah. the no asshole rule too. Yeah, yeah. so it's one of our favourites, and it's kind of when you know one of the things we probably said over once when we have an agency, we really, really pick and choose who we work with in terms of if we don't feel like they're going to be a good fit for us, we don't believe in their values, we think that you know personally we're not a good match. We'll say no. Um, we won't just take every and job we that have. comes our way. We've said no to household name brands because we just didn't get the good feels from the person mm. and that's against our number one rule, no assholes. <laughs> we're not going to do this every day. And we've got the luxury to be able to make yeah. those decisions, but I, you can tell our team really appreciate yeah. that as well because, you know, we've worked on, you know, clients that are really difficult in the past before and it's not a pleasurable environment knowing that every email that you get from a particular someone, you have you press open with, you know, holding your breath, mm-hmm. that's not a good feeling. No. So uh, taking clients and campaigns out of it, in terms of the achievements of an agency, is that one of your one of the highlights of the back is the fact that you've been able to stand by your philosophy of having no arseholes and, and stick by that and not be in a position where you think, oh, God, financially we've got to take this client on. Is that is that an achievement? Are there any other kind of core agency achievements? I think that's totally achievement. I yeah. think that we're really, you know, we have huge morals and to step aside from them would be massive for us. So to be able to continue that on is so important. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we had to take on clients that we wouldn't otherwise, we'd rather just go downsize our agency and go back to being Anna and myself because you know that's something that we see every day yeah I love those principles I mean that's part of why it's just me at Savannah PR you know it's there's more than enough work out there for it to be more than me but it's really important that I have a certain work-life balance Mm -hmm. that I only work with clients that I really want to that I work from home uh, and a number of other things which have meant that it's it's better that my agency is framed to be just me versus to have more of totally It's a nice luxury to have. It is, yeah. I guess one of the other luxuries of working in beauty PR is the fact that you have so many beautiful products (laughs) floating around. That's a definite perk. Are there any other perks that stand out? I think that's the big one. And I think, yeah, all of our friends in different industries are obsessed with that perk. I've got a friend, I talk about her all the time. She works in medical research and she earns a bazillion dollars. (laughs) And she loves that I have access to free beauty products. She thinks it's the best thing ever. And if I were to give her, you know, if we had excess stock and I gave her a lip balm, she would be over the moon because that's so exciting. So it's definitely an amazing perk, but probably one that we've gotten a little bit used to um, over the years. So I guess um, it's interesting for people to hear how we have the products as well. So I guess you could say in our office... We have what is somewhat like a supermarket. So you walk into a room, we have floor-to-ceiling shelves with beauty products. There's moisturisers, there's bath products, there's hair tools, there's shampoo and conditioner, there's makeup, there's... Everything. And, you know, the old school term would be a showroom. Basically, that's what that's called. But, um, yeah, our office is full of beautiful products that we, you know, represent on behalf of our clients and it's an amazing perk. But, yeah, it's one that we've gotten very used to. We don't don't get as excited over them anymore, but we, you know, yeah. But I'd say one of the other perks, um, and you'd have a lot of opportunities with this, Brooke, um, is that we get to go to a lot of new places as well. So we do events at really fancy restaurants or really luxurious houses. We, you know, it's or not even all... even cool little spots, you know, mm-hmm. you know, depending yeah. on who the client is. So it is an aspect of, oh, we get to check out this new venue and that's part of our job. Like that's... 
that's really cool. We need to know Absolutely. about all the new places that are opening because we need to be part of that. So, yeah. you know, going to a brunch somewhere, a breakfast somewhere on the weekend and thinking this could work for, a, you know, an event I'm working on, that's part of our work. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. So you guys do have a small team. What do you look for when you are employing someone? Um, we actually have a rule that we inherited from our, the boss that we worked with together um, early on in our careers. And the concept is basically, would I have this person over to my house for dinner? Hmm. So it's definitely a personality and attitude-led um, hiring process. You want them to be a good cultural fit. Absolutely. Really good cultural fit. A lot of PR skills can be taught as long as you've got the right attitude to learn them and want to learn them. Um, so you can have someone who is amazing at what they do, but if they rub everyone up in the agency the wrong way, that's going to create a really toxic work environment. And back when we um, first started an agency, there were toxic um, agencies that you'd hear about and it just seemed like there were so many bitchy agencies that people would go home in tears all the time. We mm. never want to have an agency like that. Our agency that we worked at was so lucky not to be like that. So it's definitely personality fit. You definitely have to have a, yeah. you know, be very keen and motivated and want to learn and have a can-do, hate that term, but attitude. But as long as you've got the right attitude, we can teach you the rest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's someone that comes in and wants to do things, wants to try things, wants to learn. I want to pick up on something you said, though. You talked about bitchy PR agencies that's a reputation, we haven't talked about this, but that's a bit of a reputation of beauty PR agencies that they are those bitchy places where people can be a bit showy. It's not all like that. No, so if you are like looking to get into the beauty industry, beauty PR, there absolutely are nice places to work. So please don't And there's not an expectation that you have um, a salon blow dry every day. No, <laughs> none of that. No. Um, you definitely, you know, when you're yeah. at events and when you can't face, you do have to be groomed, but it's not, you know, you have to have the equivalent of, you know, a mecca, you know, face for your job every day. That's not the case. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a misconception out there about beauty agencies. Um, I think PR has changed quite a lot since we first started and especially from the media relations side of it. From your perspective, what have been the major changes? There has been massive changes. When Anna and I first started in the industry, there were we had media lists and there was 40 journalists that we would speak to on a regular basis and no others. And that would cover um, magazines, newspapers, occasionally TV, depending on how strong your pitch angle was, and maybe three online publications. That was it. And over the years, um, there started to be bloggers. I mean, a couple of years in our career. Yeah, and notice you used the word blogger. It was blogger back then. Um, they were vloggers and then they were bloggers. Um, now what you would call influencers. Now our media lists are much larger. Um, hundreds of people. Hundreds and of and people. And they're more online focused. I Absolutely. Mean. They change. And, more influencer and their relevance program. change. So I guess... Um, off the back of that, you need to be aware that if you're going into a role in PR, what you do every day and what you think PR is today may be different tomorrow and you need to adapt with it or ahead of that curve. You can't go in and go, this is my skill set and I feel really comfortable with it and I'm going to continue on because you will get left behind. Mm. It has completely yeah. transformed in the years that we've been in the so industry. we've been in the industry about 15 years. Over that time, we had relationships with 40 people, like Tahira said, who were our media. It was our job to make them our best friend and now we have media lists of hundreds of people and approaching people from the media, approaching influencers, really adapting and our, our career looks nothing like it did 15 years ago. Yeah. So when it comes to 
any tips you have for those starting out in their PR careers? Obviously, one would be be understanding that the industry is going to change. You need to change with it. Are there any other tips that you would give young graduates that are just starting out their careers? Say yes. So say yes. yeah, if yeah. they're if they're you you um, manage to get your first job, say yes to every opportunity because you learn so much from saying yes and from having that attitude that gets noticed. You'll probably get promoted quicker from saying yes and having those skills, but also from having the attitude that got you there as mm. well. Anna, um, yeah, be willing and do internships, experience. Go to a, if you want to do agency, try different agencies because it's different everywhere. Try yes. in house. Mm. Um, the world is your oyster, and so don't feel like you have to follow a particular path. Try it, and that's the best thing about PR and social, is your life is so dynamic. You honestly do not know what you're doing from one day to the next, and it's so exciting, and that's why we love it. And if people do identify that you know they're at university and they think, yeah, I do want to start in beauty PR what kind of advice would you have them as to how to start their career? Would it be going back to our chat about agency and maybe finding an agency that specialises in it and, and seeing whether that works for you? Yeah, absolutely, but definitely through internships. Mm. You know, contact agencies, contact brands you like, what whatever you see and you like, contact them and see if you can get an internship there. That way you'll be able to have an understanding of A, whether you actually like it when you're actually doing the practicality of the everyday job and two, if the environment is good for you and if you have a few internships under your belt by the time you... Um, you know, finish university, you are much more hireable. You also know what you like as well. So you yes. may know agencies for me, in-house is for me, this type of industry is for me. You know, you, you're a bit more aware and... Informed as to... Yeah. Absolutely. And I know when um, Savannah PR was more than just me, uh, we did have people come through for internships. And if someone comes through for an internship and they are great and they're eager and they're keen and they've got a good solid set of skills and like you said, they're a good cultural fit... And you need to employ someone as an account executive or account coordinator. The first person you're going to be Absolutely. looking at is the last intern or the last couple of interns that you've had through in the last six months. So it's the perfect chance to really put yourself at the top of a list for an agency or, uh, like you said, in-house company where you would really like to work. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've hired our interns before. We have an amazing team member on our staff at the moment who was actually still finishing uni mm-hmm. because she was such an amazing intern. We created a role for her and she's continued on with us. So That's ab- a great story. Ab- yeah. And also um, a num- number of our other staff, we actually... Um, Something to note is we've employed a number of staff because they've approached us, not because we've put an ad up. Um, Some of them have come because we've put ads up and there's been a job available. But that's another thing we'd say is just because there's not a job advertised does not necessarily mean there's a job. When saying that, though, make yourself noticed if you are going to reach out to an agency or an in-house role or whatever it might be show your personality show that you've got something to offer the agency show you know the agency as well that Mm -hmm. always speaks volume if you know who our clients are if you know what we've done before if you mention that it just shows you've done your research and then i think oh if we're an employee you will do your research for your work absolutely i've been i've been approached by um 
I can't remember if it was a graduate or someone in the early stage of their career saying how much they loved all of my beauty brands. They'd love a chance to work yeah. with them. You know, like, we had the same with fashion. And like you know? we said earlier yeah. in the podcast, we, we're not interested in fashion. And they said, I'm so interested in fashion or your mm. fashion clients. We don't have one. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Like you said, attention to detail. Yeah. Um, don't just copy and paste and chuck it out there. Actually yep. spend some time looking at yeah. them. And um, if you don't know who the clients are, look it into them you know maybe you actually do know who they are or maybe you know you haven't worked with them but you love beauty and you can see that they've got you know some great skincare products that you've you know tell us about the fact that you use those products tell us about what you love about those products tell us about a campaign that you liked that our agency did that you saw on instagram yeah and don't feel too deflated if we say sorry thank you so much we don't have anything right now because we've done that before and then the next month we've actually had an opening and gone back to that person being like now we do yeah Yeah, you're memorable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today, ladies. Thanks Thank so you. much for having us. It's been so interesting to chat about these different sectors of PR. Um, and for those listening, if you are considering a path in beauty PR, I hope you've got something out of this. And if you would like to find more about different sectors of PR to work in, you'll find a few of them up on the podcast already, and there'll be a new one released each month. Thanks for listening to the PR pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.